Welcome to our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson of Post Media on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and live right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. What's going on? How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Um, we're, we're waiting for news to drop. We're waiting for Flames news uh, once again to hit the cycle. But I wanted to talk a little bit about a guy who's making news about 8,000 kilometers away. Uh, and that would be Mackenzie Weger. And before we get anyone too excited, we're not waiting for news to drop today. No, no. Uh, probably not even this week. We're just kind of in that limbo area. We're waiting for when's the GM going to get announced yeah. and what other news might be coming down the pipe for the Flames. But it's been a, uh, it's been a really cool story for Mackenzie Weger over at the World Championship in Latvia for Canada. And, you know, he's he was one of the really positive stories this year for the Flames, especially in the second half in what was a largely negative year. The real development, development's the wrong word, but progression yeah. and an improvement of Mackenzie Weger in the second half of the season post-All-Star break, turning into what I think so many people were hoping he would be when he was part of the Matthew Kachuk trade in July. And, and, and yeah. if I can jump in really quick, I think it's an important qualifier because I'm not sure he was a, a bright spot for the Flames in the first half of the season, but I would say especially after the All-Star break slash bye, yeah. that's when we really started to see what the Flames thought Mackenzie Weger could mean to that team. The offense started to pick up. The assertiveness was way more noticeable. He was on the attack. He was playing more minutes. One of the things that you really started to see, one of the 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 um, big check marks in his game coming into Calgary was the way he used his stick and the way he was able to to use that to break up plays. And you know, under the the last coaching regime and under Daryl Sutter, killing plays was. You know, one of the the paramount things that they talked about, and he was so good at that in the second half of the season. His defensive game and play away from the puck was really strong. So he was the first one that we found out was going to go represent his country at the World Championship. We found that out on Locker Cleanout Day. A couple of other guys gave either no's or maybes, but Mackenzie Weaker told Brendan Parker that, yeah, I'm going. And so... He was the first guy to commit from the Flames. He goes over there. He had another two points Wednesday in a 5-1 win over Kazakhstan. Uh, now up to eight points in four games. Canada, four for four. Uh, Lucic and Toffoli have put up some points as well. Matt Coronado scoring and putting up points for Team USA. But this is an awesome thing for Uyghur to be able to continue the really nice run he was on and pick up right where he left off a few weeks later. I... I I actually, I wonder how important that really is for just the continued confidence and and for him to be able to carry that over and play 10 or 11 or 12 more games at that same level. I know it's not the NHL, but that's, that's a big thing for a guy that was still for a number of months really getting his legs under him in a new city. 
I'm glad you you used the word confidence. And and if I can kind of go back to when I started my career on the Flames beat for Post Media and started being around the the rink every day. Obviously, I'd been following hockey forever, but I don't think I appreciated even in my first few years as a reporter sort of the importance of confidence. It's one of those words that you hear pro athletes throw around all the time. Oh, well, it's it's a matter of confidence. It, it's just confidence. And I think at first, for me anyways, it's sort of like, that sounds like a bunch of baloney. Like, these are all <laughs> pro athletes. Of course they're confident. And now, having been around it for the past 11 or 12 seasons full-time and having had extended conversations with so many players that it's, that's the real deal. Like confidence, even at that highest level can come and go for these guys. And, and I'm so glad you use that word because yes, I think, and if our buddy Aaron Vickers was sitting here, he'd laugh at me for using this word. I think it can be a springboard. And we say that, for young guys, we talk about, yeah. okay, Matt Coronado is going to Worlds. What a great springboard this could be for his career. Well, Mackenzie Weger is not like Matt Coronado in the sense that he's trying to establish himself, but he was working to get his game back. He wasn't happy with where it was for probably 50 games of this season. And the fact that he's been able to carry this confidence into Worlds and put up the numbers he is and assume the role he is. He's got a letter on his sweater. He's their power play quarterback. He leads the team in minutes. He's the top scoring defenseman last I checked in the tournament. Like all that is just going to help him build and carry that momentum. And I think that's so important. Well, and I think the importance of him hitting the ground running and, and being a candidate for this team's number one defenseman to start next season. I mean, in the final 30 or so games, it was mostly Uyghur on the left with Rasmus Anderson on the right, and that turned into a really good pairing. And yet so much of what Uyghur's doing right now is, well, not so much, all of what he's doing right now is him playing on his strong side. And that's the thing that intrigues me most going into next season is I'm not suggesting because it's not an apples-to-apples apples thing. This tournament playing against Kazakhstan and Slovenia and, and Latvia and the teams they've played so far, they're not NHL caliber clubs. They're right. just not. But it's still important to point out that with the Flames last year, I thought Uyghur was at his best when he was on the right side. It was not a normal. I think he was probably somewhere in the range of 15 to 18 games he played the right side this year. Pretty much any time Tanev was hurt, yeah. Uyghur moved back to his strong side. Otherwise, he was playing on his offside as a right-hand shot playing the left. And I just, I really am curious about how a full season of him on his natural side ends up helping this team. And I know that there's maybe not a natural way to do that or an easy way to do that. When you take a look at the roster right now, I just think long-term and even going into next season, having Uyghur on his strong side and having that as a regular look could get even more out of him and just continue this nice run. He's been on for the last number of months. Yeah, absolutely. Because we're not talking about, TJ Brody in the sense of TJ Brody was a guy who was actually better on his and preferred on his offside. playing the, the and, offside and got to the point that he preferred playing his offside and and he was a left shot who played the right right and when you put him on the left side which didn't happen often but when you did he looked lost over there 
Mackenzie Weger is not TJ Brody in the sense of he's not better on his offside. He takes a lot of pride in being able to play both. And yet I think we've seen now over an 82 game stretch that if you can get him on his strong side, you have a better player. And I totally agree with you. I, I think that's something that the flames need to explore as a long-term fit and, and maybe more so as they round out their blue line, as they ponder trade possibilities for the guys who are on expiring contracts next season, that needs to be something that you keep in mind. To me, the right side of your blue line looking into the future is Rasmus Anderson and Mackenzie Weger yep. in, in your top four. And I think the future of that kind of starts now in the sense that I'd, I'd even look at bumping Chris Tanev to your third pairing. He's still going to play a ton of minutes on the penalty kill. There's still going to be nights where he has shut down duties that increase his his role and his minutes, but he can be a third-pairing defenseman for the Calgary Flames who you spot into some shutdown duties. You try and keep him healthy that way. To me, Mackenzie Weger and Rasmus Anderson, not necessarily in that order, are your top two guys on the right side. And it's interesting how, because I, I was thinking about this, because we don't know what the salary cap situation is going to be like. Right now, the, the projection is it's going up by one, but you got guys like Frank Saravalli who believe it's going to go up as high as three and a half and that they're going to work out some sort of deal where it doesn't just go up the obligatory $1 million. But regardless, the Flames may be in a spot where if they want to augment up front, if they want to make an ad up front to help with what was a team that did not score very much last year and was not the most offensively creative team, if they want to add a, a scoring option up front, they might have to subtract on the back if they're going to be able to make it cap-wise, regardless of how much the salary cap goes up. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about do they make a move with one of those pending unrestricted free agents after this coming year? Do they move one of those guys this offseason to help in that regard? There's been a lot of talk about Hannafin, but I don't love that as much. I, I get like I'm I'm more open to it now than I ever have been, but I still think signing Hannafin and trying to get that done is the better option than dealing him. But if you can't sign him, then I don't think you can lose that guy for nothing. But in terms of the most ideal situation, I think having a guy who can play the 22 to 24 minutes he does on the left side as a left shot is pretty important because they're deep on the right. They've got, as of right now, Uyghur, Anderson, Tanev, maybe Stetcher as right shot defenseman, even if Stetcher doesn't come back. And Stone on a PTO, and Stone probably. On, probably on a PTO and... Some sort of contract signed like <laughs> on October 4th. -ish. Yeah, the day before the season starts. After the cap needs to be set, but before the season starts, yeah. probably will sign Michael Stone. Um, but even if Stetcher decides not to come back, you're still looking at as your right shot defenseman, Uyghur Tanev Anderson, and yet you probably don't want Uyghur outside your top four. I think the argument you make about Tanev being more of a third-pair right-side guy, I don't mind that. He's the oldest one of the group. He's also a guy that, had, at least in his time with the Flames, had his most injury troubles this past season. He was very durable in his first two seasons. So if you can decrease the ice time a little bit, maybe it decreases how much he ends up on the shelf. I don't mind that. But I still think that all of a sudden, if you have Uyghur on the right side permanently, 
Well, now you've lost the top four left side option, which makes Hannafin that much more important. So it just opens up a really fascinating conversation about the future of this team's blue line, what the top four could look like, and what type of decisions they might need to make in the next year or so uh, if if that's the case. And, and if they truly do see Uyghur as a guy that they want permanently on their right side. Well, and his ability to swing over to the left gives you such important flexibility. Yes. I'm absolutely with you. Noah Hannafin, he wouldn't be the guy that I'd be exploring a trade with right away. And yet I, I would say that that could change based on you know, gauging his ask as a soon-to-be free agent. Does he want to stay? All that stuff. But all things being equal, he's probably not the guy that I'm trying to trade. And you also need to give yourself a... I don't know if a buffer is the right word, but you you need to be ready for the fact that after missing an entire year, Oliver Shillington might not be able to pick up right where he left off. And I think everyone hopes coming in next season that it's the Oliver Shillington that we saw at the end of the 21-22 campaign, quite quite frankly, all through the 21-22 campaign. And yet you need to be cognizant that this is a guy who has not played any hockey for an entire season. Yep. And that can be tough to come back from right away. And so I'd love to see... Oliver Shillington actually paired with Mackenzie Weger in training camp. I, I think that has really fascinating potential as a pairing. And yet I like the fact that if you look and say, okay, well, Oliver Shillington, maybe he's not ready to be in our top four right away. Or maybe we're ready to look at a trade proposal for Noah Hannafin. Well, the fact that you have Mackenzie Weger who can slide over to the left and be more than serviceable there. He, he, you know, you can still trust him there. He's just better suited, in our opinion, on his strong side, but it still gives you some really nice flexibility. This uh, text comes in says, if you're rolling a Shillington Tanev third pair, your team's going to be in good shape. I agree. Like if And, and it doesn't even have to be a, a third pair. It just doesn't have to be a... Like, if you were to go back to Hannafin Anderson, and I know that there's a lot of unknown when it comes to all these contracts and the expiring deals. I get that. But just take the contracts out of it for a second and you go Hannafin, Anderson, Zadorov, Uyghur, who I really liked. I, I don't think there's any question that Zadorov was at his best when he played with Uyghur on his right. Like, it wasn't close this year. And then you go Shillington, Tanev. Well, I think your top pairing is clearly Hannafin, Anderson, but then your next two pairings, like, doesn't have to be a 2-3. You can roll them pretty evenly in terms of ice time. And um, like that would be a pretty solid group of defense. Now, yeah. if Hannafin doesn't want to resign, well, then you might have to trade him this off season. Or if you're feeling a little antsy about Tanev and his injury history, or you're feeling like, ah, we don't think he's going to be back beyond next season. Maybe he's a guy that you move this summer and it opens up a top four or top six plays for a guy like Stetcher. There, there's a lot of moving parts, but if, they were to go with those three pairings on a regular basis. I, I think it would be a pretty good look. Yeah, and I I would love to just flip flop the one. The, the I guess you're flip flopping two pairings, but I'd love to see Shillington and Weger. I, I just think the way that they are both capable of moving the puck. That's, that's I, not I bad at all either. Weger adds some bite to that pairing, and then I like the idea because you know Tanev is playing shutdown type minutes. 
I love the idea of having him with Nikita Zadorov because he adds some bite to that pair. You know you can go back to the other ones. You know they've worked, but suddenly that's the blue line that everyone looked at in the fall and said this is yep. one of the best defense groups in the NHL. And then and then you buy yourself some time not to get us down not to get us down this road again, but I still think if you're going to trade a defenseman or explore trading a defenseman, you don't need to rush it. Defensemen are such a hot commodity at the trade deadline and teams also have access to cap friendly. So they know who's on an expiring contract. I don't they do. That's not blocked out. For no, NHL that's GM. not a subscription service. Okay. So you're not going to get a whole bunch better value for a guy in the summer than you are at the trade deadline. In fact, I think you might be able to maximize at the trade deadline because now a team knows what they might be missing or, or what they might be setting themselves up for. And so you can go into the fall with a really strong six on defense and then look to subtract from that position of strength yeah. if you if you see it fit. Few texts, 960-960 on this one. Uh, this reads, everyone's hoping that a new coach will get Huberto and Kadri going next year, but do you think a new coach and ideas will allow Uyghur to be more offensive next year? Well, I think we started to see him get far more assertive and effective on the offensive side of the th- uh, on the offensive side of things in the second half of the season. He finished with 31 points in 81 games, but the way that he stepped up, the way he was shooting it, the way that he was leading rushes, the way that he was activating in the second half of the season and more aptly after the All-Star bye week, that was a different guy. And so and and I know that there's a lot of criticism about the way Daryl went about things, but I, I don't think Daryl was holding Mackenzie Weger back. I think the adjustment to playing a new style and an adjustment to learning new teammates, new city, I think the adjustment was the biggest reason why Weger looked tentative and uncomfortable in the first 50 or so games. And I think that increased comfort and confidence level is why we saw it look completely different in the final third of the season. It, it feels like in the last few weeks, there's been a quest to figure out, okay, who liked playing for Daryl and who didn't? You know, maybe this explains why this guy struggled. Yep. Maybe this explains this. I, I don't know the answer on all these guys, but everything that I've heard, I think Mackenzie Weger, and I, I know he said he thought the Flames needed a head coach. I think Mackenzie Weger was one of those guys who didn't mind playing for Daryl Sutter at all. Agreed. That, that's every... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, we, we played a little bit from him uh, earlier in the week. Uh, Vickers in Latvia talked to him, and we played a little bit of it. And basically, and, and Vickers asked him straight up about the comments he made on on the Missing Curfew po- podcast. And, and he said, yeah, I, 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 I want to clarify that. I thought it was time for a change. I thought the group needed a change. But I think Daryl was a really good coach, and I think that he did a lot of good things. I believe he said he was one of the most prepared coaches he's ever played for. So it's one of those instances where I think two things can be true at the same time. Like, I think Wes Gilbertson is a great writer, but I also think that he's really good on Flames Talk. Both of those things can be true. Now, those are two positives. But Uyghur saying, I think it was time to make a change because group wasn't responding to this coach. And coach was still very, very good at what he did. Those can be true at the same time. So I think you're you're bang on when you assess that. Yeah, and so I, I think that's important to to point out. This isn't a guy who couldn't wait to get 
Daryl Sutter out of town. I, I don't think, and, and I like the way you put it, I don't think Daryl Sutter was holding Mackenzie Weger back in any way. The one thing that is probably the most important development for me with Mackenzie Weger at Worlds is his opportunity to quarterback that top power play unit. And that's something that I'd like to see him get more consideration for in Calgary next season. He, I'm just looking at the numbers. Yep. He averaged less than a minute a game on the power play this season. That That's a lot less than Rasmus Anderson. That's less than Noah Hannafin, a lot less than Noah as well. And so there's a guy who I think can be a candidate for power play duties that didn't see that a lot. And, and while I'll be the first to admit, I haven't seen every minute of every Team Canada game at Worlds by any stretch. I think in the little bits I've seen, the fact that Mackenzie Weger is out there running that top power play yeah. is a really, I don't know if encouraging is the right way to put it, but it's important to remind him and, and build that confidence that he can do that as well. Uh, this reads, uh, Weger reminds me a lot of my favorite Flames D-man of the last decade, TJ Brody, a lot more physical, which is great and doesn't get rattled like Brody did, but he's a medium risk, high reward guy. Uh, this reads, is there any realistic scenario where the Flames start the year 11 and seven, ease Shillington back in, reduce some Tanev time, rotate Stetcher and Stone and try to build team chemistry with the forwards to test different combos. Absolutely. It all depends on who the coach is. 11 and seven was not something Daryl was very keen to do, but did do it uh, in the postseason, uh, especially when Tanev was unavailable to them. Um, or no, it was when Tanev came back, right? It was in the Oilers series. They went 11 and seven. Am I right? Yes, they did go 11 and seven in the Oilers series. And we've seen it at quite a few different stretches. Daryl Sutter didn't love to do it. He, you know, he's a guy who, it wasn't like Woodcroft or Cooper who no. were very, very open to doing it. Yeah, because Daryl likes to play his fourth line a lot, or, or he likes to play them a substantial amount as a group. He doesn't like kind of mixing and matching his forward lines as much. But yeah, I think we could see it. I don't know. I don't know where Stone and Stetcher fit. I don't know that Stetcher would want to return on the type of salary that the Flames would probably be offering. I, d I don't know how having Dennis Gilbert under contract for another season and having, I, th I think, been impressed enough with what he can offer as a spare defenseman. I don't know how that impacts your your interest in bringing Michael Stone back. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know with a new general manager coming off a playoff miss if you necessarily, excuse me, if you necessarily just bring back every defenseman you had this past season. But... They certainly have some options there. Uh, this reads, what kind of trade value would you get for Tanev? And this reads from Mick, Hannafin and Anderson, Shillington and Uyghur, Zadorov and Stetcher with Stone as your seven. Move Tanev for a pick. You have to move a defenseman. There's too much money there. Tanev is the oldest of the group. And again, it wouldn't shock me if Tanev is a guy that they do think about moving. I just wonder, on the Tanev front, if you wait until the deadline, and I know there's risk there because then all of a sudden you move into the territory of, do you move them? If you're good, I, I get all that. But I do think, you know, when we talk about Lindholm or Hannafin, if Lindholm or Hannafin are unwilling to sign, I think this summer is when you maximize value because they get a full year on their new team with an extremely good value contract. I think you maximize a guy like Lindholm or Hannafin this summer, as opposed to in season. Whereas a guy like Tanev, 
I think playoff teams would be falling over one another to be able to bring that guy in at the deadline. But again, you also have a bit of a threshold to weigh or a, a dilemma to weigh because what if you're fighting for a playoff spot in late February and Tanev is a big part of it as we would expect he is? Well, now are you okay trading him at the deadline for the type of trade that gets made at that time of year? Wait, two things. Let me Let me just address the last bit first. We can't look at being in the mix for a playoff spot as a bad thing. If you have to keep a guy and lose him in free agency because you're fighting for a playoff spot, you have to be okay with that. And in every case or in, cause I don't think you can do that with Lindholm or, Ta- or no, 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 no. With but, Tanev, I'm, I'd be a little more yeah. okay with it on. I also agree that that's a guy you trade at the deadline. I, I think it's important to remember that I believe it was Mick's, Mick who said, well, you have to move some money off your blue line. Mm-hmm. It's important to remember, and I, I'm sure Mick knows this. You also have to look, and there's a whole lot of other teams that can't absorb $4.5 million next season. And those are going to be the teams that would benefit most from having Chris Tanev. The teams generally with cap space are the teams that aren't expecting to contend right away. And so I think in the case of Chris Tanev, a guy of his age especially, I think you're moving him at the deadline. The only, and Timmy, uh, our boy Timmy K, uh, good to hear from you, buddy. Uh, Tanev's injury prone, trade him first chance. That would be, if if you all of a sudden get an you're offer. You're just not getting value for him in the summer, though. And maybe not. But if somebody at the draft comes to you and says, hey, we're willing to give you a second-round pick for Chris Tanev, I'd at the very least think about it, especially if you've got your eye on a free agent, especially because I don't think you're deciding Hannafin's fate or Lindholm's fate by the draft. That might not that that might be more like Kachuk time uh, and, and in July as opposed to at the draft. Somebody comes to you and it's like, hey, we'll give you a second or a late first. We really, we really want Tanev. I think you have to think about it because then all of a sudden there's four and a half mil that you might be able to use to chase a, an impact forward. I couldn't agree more that not only do you think about it, but you do a cartwheel and take that deal. I just don't you're think, not as confident that deal I just open. don't think you're getting adequate value for Chris Tanev at the draft because I don't think the teams that would want to add Chris Tanev, those being the teams who think they're a piece away from contending for a title, I don't think they're making that trade at the draft. I don't think they're looking to add four and a half million. I think you capitalize on the fact that, hey, the Boston Bruins lost a defenseman to an injury in January. They need a guy. I understand there's risks that maybe Chris Tanev's injured as well, but I'm... I'd be comfortable taking that risk to try to maximize the value. Fascinating conversation. Uh, By the way, eight points in four games for Uyghur at the World Championship. Uh, Team Canada's 4-0. Team USA's 4-0. So the teams involving Flames players have yet to lose a game. Canada back in action Saturday when they take on Switzerland. That's their next game as their round robin continues in Riga, Latvia. Undefeated Switzerland as well. Slovakia has been their toughest test so far. That's the game that I've seen the most of. Of course, it went to the long shootout, and Sam Montembeau had the really good game. Right. That was the one game that That, uh, Uyghur didn't have a point. Quite a bit of that one as well, yeah. 
Uh, so that is the next game for Team Canada. They take on Switzerland on Saturday. It's Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson along with you. It is very nice out in the city of Calgary. It's been a lovely, outside of the smoke, it's been a lovely, lovely week. Uh, we're sitting at a very comfortable like 20 to 25 degrees most days. It is perfect barbecue weather. The temperature's warming up. It's staying light outside until later. You know what that means. Our friends at Trail Appliances want to remind you it's grilling season. Upgrade your grilling game with Napoleon Grills from Trail Appliances with advanced grilling features, engineered performance, and masterful designs. Right now, you can receive up to $150 instant rebate on qualifying Napoleon Grills. Now, I've got the uh, I've got the condo. I've got the deck. And I've got the gas hookup. And as soon as I moved into that condo about a decade ago, first place I went to the fine folks at Trail Appliances. They hooked me up with a Napoleon gas grill. It is the same grill 10 years ago that I still have now. It is still in perfect condition. It has not failed me a single time. It still cooks things to perfection. And I got to say, what? barbecuing on the 20th floor is pretty fun. What what's your specialty? Uh, you know, a nice little grilled steak. I do. Okay. I do the kebabs. I do. Uh, I do a good chicken thigh. Uh, the flattened out, smashed out chicken thighs. Couple minutes aside ends up being really good. So hey, if you're at a, if you've got the patio, if you've got a deck, doesn't matter what your outdoor situation looks like. Trail Appliances has Napoleon and many other of your favorite barbecue brands in stock. They offer delivery, installation, and setup of your new barbecue so you could get uh, grilling right away. Uh, look. Napoleon, Canadian-made, top-quality trail appliances, has a selection of Napoleon that is not going to be beat anywhere. Step up your barbecue game. Visit Trail Appliances in-store or online at trailappliances.com slash barbecue. One more time, trailappliances.com slash BBQ. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host The Big Show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite. NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are The Big Show. Flamestock is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. Well, on Wednesday's show, Wes and I talked a lot about Mitch Love and his candidacy, readiness level, just overall. What about Mitch Love as the new head coach of the Calgary Flames? And... We've talked for a good 35 minutes about it. Came after Wes's article, which is uh, up at the Post Media site still. Uh, a real kind of in-depth dive on who is Mitch Love. Okay, we know that he's the two-time AHL Coach of the Year. We know he's the head coach of the Wranglers, but, you know, who is Mitch Love? What is Mitch Love as a head coach? So, you know, we spent a good chunk of Wednesday's show talking about that, and, and now more people are talking about it around the league. Kevin Weeks. Tweeted about it earlier on Thursday, basically said he's hearing that there's a lot of interest around the league in Mitch Love. So that was one. I know on the DFO Rundown podcast, Sarah Valley and Jason Greger were talking about how much interest there is out there on Mitch Love and, and his candidacy for the Flames head coaching job. I'm telling you, it's that Flames Talk poll. You, know, you put out a couple graphics, you talk about it for 35 minutes, you get your downloads. I just think, yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, Hey, companies, if you want us to if you want us to shill for you, we'll do it. <laughs> 
just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, no, you weren't. Not really. I don't know if the, I don't know if it would work so well on our Instagram. My 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 photogenic level probably not good for the Instagram influencing. I've always had a little bit of a radio look myself. Yeah, I uh, I've leaned right into that radio look. Yeah, I, you got to embrace it exactly. Yeah, dre- it's there. Dress for the medium you uh, are suited for. Yeah, I've stopped dressing for the job I want because I I know what my ceiling is. Um, <laughs> I thought a lot about this on Wednesday after our conversation and, and was uh, thinking a lot about it on Wednesday night. And now hearing even more national names start to talk about Mitch, like if you're going to lose him, if there is that much interest out there for him, just hire the guy as the head coach if you're the Flames. Because you know that this guy's a rising star. You know that you've got something in your organization. At this point, and it was Wednesday that turned me. So we're 24 hours removed from having the conversation. I don't want to say I was on the fence because I was I was just more of the be cautious. You know, maybe maybe promote him to an NHL assistant before giving him the head coach job was kind of where I was for the first number of weeks. Not to say that I didn't think he should be a candidate, but I was not on the yes, Mitch should be the new head coach of the Flames. But the more I think about it, you sold me on it. The text line sold me on it Wednesday. If you're going to lose this guy, take the risk and promote him to head coach. And I'm not just saying do it without going through the interview process. I'm not saying do it without letting your next general manager make that decision. But when it comes down to it, if his stock is as high as it is believed to be around the league, why lose that? If if And I know he's still got a year left on his contract, but if the Flames hired somebody else as head coach, I don't think they're going to stand in Mitch Love's way to go get a promotion to an NHL head coaching job. So you might as well be the team that promotes him to an NHL head coaching job. That's very much where I'm at right now. Yeah, I think you covered it off all quite well there. I, I Going through the process uh, of interviewing a bunch of players, both on and off the record about Mitch talking to former employers, you know, doing a bit of a, a deep dive as much as I hate when journalists bill their work that way. <laughs> I, mean, I call it that as well. <laughs> going through that process, I, I think I sold myself a little bit on on the the idea that, yeah, this guy sounds like a, a good fit. I, I like what I'm hearing about the way he goes about his business, about the way he communicates. I like what I'm seeing in practices in terms of the way he deals with players in terms of the fact that they're not on edge They're They seem to be having a good time. There's no doubt that the results have shown with that team, all that stuff. So, so that's there. I, I really think this guy is a very strong candidate. And at the same time, I like how you wrap that up because you can't, bring in a new general manager and just say, oh, by the way, here's your head coach. And so when you make that hire, whether it's internal, which would probably be beneficial to Mitch Love, or you go outside the organization to bring in a new person to be your general manager, they ultimately have to have that final say. It has to be the general manager's decision who the next head coach is. In saying all that, if you don't give Mitch Love a long look, I think it's foolish. And to your point, if you're not going to give him the job, then if Columbus calls and says, hey, we want to talk to him about our head coaching opening, if another team calls and says, hey, you know, we want to 
have this discussion, don't stand in his way. And I don't believe that the Calgary Flames. No, would. I don't either. And I, I, I think at the very least, a long look, and not just the, not just the. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk to you. Like this has got to be a both eyes open, straight in the eye, long look for a guy like Mitch Love. I think that. I think that Ryan Huska deserves the same thing. I really, really do. Um, I, I am such a huge fan of Husk and the way that he goes about his business. And I don't think, I, I guarantee you, because none of the assistants have contracts right now. Kirk Muller, Cam McLean, Jason LaBarbera, Ryan Huska, they, they do not have contracts for next year as it stands, which you can kind of understand with the coaching situation being in limbo. But whether it's with the Flames as a head or assistant coach or elsewhere, Ryan Huska will be on an NHL bench next year. I can guarantee you that uh, he's, he's too well thought of. Um, he almost got Detroit's head coaching job before they gave it to, to Derek Lamond. And um, so like he's in the mix now for head coaching positions. So, and I don't know, I don't know if you were to promote a guy like Mitch Love, I don't know how many of the current staff remain on. And, and I don't know. I don't, I do not know the answer to that question. I really don't. But at the very least, a, like he's got to get that long look. He's got to be heavily considered. And yeah. I don't think it's meddling. If you're Don Maloney or if you're John Bean and you tell your next general manager, the decision is yours. We stand behind what your decision is. But we want you to give this guy a long look because we like that. There, there's that's not meddling. That's not poor. No. Like you're still giving the GM the call, but you're saying this guy needs to be an internal, like a really heavy internal candidate. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with pushing your internal candidates when you when you think that you've found and developed good people, as is the case with Craig Conroy and Brad Pascal yep. as candidates for the GM job. You. This is what we talked about yesterday, and I'll I'll just reiterate. You'd hate to see Mitch Love go to Anaheim or go to Columbus, and it turns out that, yes, he was the rising star coaching candidate, and you had him in your organization, and then you lost him. And so I think it's actually good news for Mitch Love as a Flames candidate, regardless of who the GM is, that suddenly everyone is talking about him. Obviously, the insiders have been following our conversations. And if... Uh, that's sarcastic, by no, the way. No, it's not. If Truth. people around the league are taking notice of what Mitch Love's doing, and, and how couldn't you is think he has a 7-2-5 point percentage in two seasons with the Flames farm team, if that has raised as many eyebrows around the league as I think it has, then the new guy coming in, if it is indeed an external candidate, is already going to know, hey, there's a good there's a good young coach here, yep. and I need to take a look at him. Yep. Uh, by the way, 17 days ago on May 1st, which just happened to be a Monday, uh, that was the day that the Flames made the decision to say goodbye to, to Daryl Sutter. And we did a long show and had lots of reaction. And the last part of our Monday Flames Talk programming was our weekly conversation with Mitch Love. And so this is 17 days ago. They are at the time they had a 2-0 series lead on 
Yeah, that's right. They had a 2 0 series lead on the Abbotsford Canucks in their round two series. They're in round three going to game five on Friday night. More on that in a second. But I asked Mitch Lover, I asked him, what did you learn from Daryl? He spoke very effusively about what Daryl taught him. And then I basically, just to paraphrase my question, make it more concise, I said, look, a lot of people in this market are talking about you as the new head coach of the Calgary Flames. What's your response to that? This is how Mitch Love answered two and a half weeks ago. Well, I stay off Twitter, and then I uh, I also just focus on us, Pat. I mean, that's... <laughs> That's where our focus is as a team here. Um, you know, it's, a, it's a, an enjoyment to come to the rink right now playing playoff hockey when it's 26 degrees outside, and that's where my focus is at is, is the group here. And, and uh, you know, of course, would I like to coach in the National Hockey League one day? Yeah, of course. But right now it's it's with the Wranglers, and, uh, you know, i got a, a good group here, and we we got to go up to Abbotsford and try to find, find one more win and, and reset ourselves here, so. That's where uh, things are at today. And literally, all you'd have to do is substitute Coachella Valley, and bam, you've got the same answer. Still and that's accurate. Exactly how we would answer that if I asked him that right now. Still not on Twitter. Still not on Twitter. Not quite 27 degrees, but 21 is not we're far right off. Now. And in Coachella Valley, it probably is. <laughs> it's, yeah. And they, less smoky. They wish it was 27. I think it's like 30 something there. That sounds about right. So I just. That's and that's authentic Mitch Love. There's zero uh there's there's zero subterfuge there. That guy does not care about anything else until there's time to care about other things. But right now there's no time to care about anything else other than at that case winning a game on the road in Abbotsford. Now they've won a game a road a game on the road in Coachella Valley. Now they have to win that next one to move on to the Western Conference final. That's literally all the guy I does he know that there's a coaching job open with the Flames? Of course. Is he focused on that? I guarantee you he is not focused on that. No. Or even close to it. Big game tomorrow, I hear. Well, and just a little bit more on on Mitch and kind of relating it to what we saw on Wednesday night. So a one nothing win in Game 4. Wrangler's season was on the line. They needed a win to force a decisive Game 5 on Friday. They did so thanks to a Cole Schwint goal in the second period and a Dustin Wolf 27-save shutout. Uh, they Their best player stepped up with a perfect outing when they needed it the most. As expected, I don't think anybody was surprised that Dustin Wolf pitched a shutout in an elimination game. This guy is built for situations like that. And and just listen to this. This gives you a little bit of an idea as to what the motivational tactic was from the head coach. This was Mitch Love postgame on Wednesday following the Wranglers' one nothing win in Coachella Valley. More than anything, we, we just really wanted to kind of sell out as a, as a group today. We, I mean, our season was on the line. Um, there wasn't anything to save it for as a group. We wanted to spend another day or two together here, and um, we've given ourselves an opportunity. I was proud of the guy's effort, and uh, now we got to you know get some rest here and, and get ready to go back to work on Friday. And then... Just to kind of reiterate that, this was what Dustin Wolf, the shutout man, had to say post game on Wednesday. In our meeting this morning, we wanted to, uh, you know, sell out for everybody. Everybody's, uh, you know, contributing for each other, blocking shots, making plays when needed, and um, you know, that's exactly what the group did tonight. It was a complete effort from every single guy on the ice, and obviously super happy to get that one. And I'm not sitting here trying to suggest that sell out, lay it all on the line is a novel concept in a in a spot where your season's on the line what i'm more into what, what i'm more intrigued by and struck by 
is the fact that that message got through because the head coach has a pretty good read on how to motivate this group. And again, like it would probably be the same guys lay it all out there on the lot. Like, but it's the ability to deliver that message that most people would go with in a game four scenario and have it sink in like it did. And you heard it from Cole Schwint. You heard it from Dustin Wolf. You heard it from the head coach. I just, that, that gives you an idea as to they're not just, they're not just, Hearing, but they're listening, and and I think that's a really and they're important buying thing. in, and they're buying in. Yeah, good way, good way of putting it. And I think you're going to buy in in a must win game, anyways. But the the Flames are Wranglers on their social media. I saw it on Twitter. Shared a neat video as well yeah. of the post game, and Mitch Love again says that's buying in, and that's followed by uh, a bunch of blanks for 15 seconds or so of expletives from who knows who. And then uh, good job, guys, and a bunch more blank. It was a pretty fired up locker room last night. It, it's neat to see. It gives you, it gives you a sense of the the group there and the buy in there. And I think that's going to be a hell of a hockey game tomorrow. Friday night, eight o'clock, game five of the Pacific Division Final in the American League. I know a lot of people are wondering why the hell does Coachella Valley get to have it on home ice? It. It is what it is. The the and by that I mean the Wranglers as the number one seed got to choose if they wanted two games at home to start or three games at home to finish. For the second straight series, they chose the two at home to start. You're wondering, well, why are those the only choices? Ask the Board of Governors in the American League. It's for travel reasons. They're not flying charter. Uh, they don't have the same budgets as an NHL team. Um, and in a best of five, like all of a sudden, your commercial flight gets delayed like a WestJet pilot strike or, or, or a WestJet lockout. Well, next thing you know... This isn't the news channel, is it? 660 news time <laughs> is... Uh, but, but yeah, like you, they, because it's the American League, because they're not flying charter, you don't have the... You can't do 2-2-1 in their minds. You can out east because everybody's busing. But when you're flying long distances like they are in the Central and the West or Pacific... Uh, that's why they do 2-3, and that's why the Wranglers chose the first two games at home, giving Coachella Valley the final three games at home, and here we are. Game 5 will be played in Palm Springs on Friday night. Sandra will have the call. We'll have it for you live on the radio at 8 o'clock on Friday. And, and there's one way for the 106-point Calgary Wranglers to not be second-guessed for their decision to take the first two instead of the last three against the 103-point Coachella Valley Firebirds, and that's to go out and win game five tomorrow. Yep. And they can. That was a damn good effort on I'm excited Wednesday to night. watch. Me I'll too. be parked in front of my laptop, AHL TV. And Noth- you- nothing against Sandra's call on the radio, but I got to see this one. And you'll still get Sandra's call mixed with the visual. Absolutely. Uh, Sandra- and she is damn good. Nailed it in triple overtime, and then a big one nothing win uh, to follow that up on Wednesday. Dustin Wolf shut out Game 5 Friday night, Coachella Valley and the Calgary Wranglers. As we start to wrap this hour up on Flames Talk, Wes Gilbertson's on Twitter, at Wes Gilbertson. Taylor and Cam and Raz are producers. My name is Pat, and uh, this hour's been coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Wet Basement, they have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com.